Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart. I am Robert Evans, and uh, today we're going to talk about a specific part of Eurasia, where, I don't know, things are kind of on the edge of, of, of falling apart and maybe becoming something else. As I'm sure most people are aware, uh, Russia expanded its invasion of Ukraine earlier this year. Um, it has not gone well, and the government has recently announced that they are doing a general mobilization and bringing another 300,000 soldiers into their armed forces. Uh, the A significant chunk, if not the bulk of these recruitments are coming from areas away from the, uh, on the periphery of Russian power, you might say, um, particularly different chunks of the Russian state um, where there are minority populations who have been uh, dissident to the, to the Federation of Russia in the past. Um, probably the most active of these is a place called Dagestan. Um, most Americans probably are not super well-versed on this area. It is the furthest southern point in the Russian state. It borders Azerbaijan. Um, it's pretty close to Turkey. And uh, this is a region that has a, a massive Muslim population and has been the site of a lot of resistance to the Russian state in the recent past. And today we're going to be talking about what that looks like now as the, the government is attempting to draft men from this part of the the state and and uh, as sort of resistance has risen up significantly within Dagestan. Um, I'm going to be talking with Karina Avedisian. Uh, Karina is a PhD studying social movements in particularly in Russia. Um, Karina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
Um, so first off, I'm not an expert on on Dagestan. Um, what do you think is important for people to know about the relationship between this region and the Russian state? Um, it's the biggest republic in the North Caucasus. Um, and it has actually independent media still, despite the really intense repression um, and the dozens of uh, disappeared or murdered journalists from, from the Republic. Um, kinship ties are strong in Dagestan. So the announcement of mobilization and the kind of, you know, the start of the mobilization process um, really affects people because extended families are close. So when someone is taken away, it affects a, a lot of people. Um, so that um, in large part kind of explains the level of mobilization. The other thing I want to mention is that um, the North Caucasus region in general, but especially Dagestan and Chechnya, um, just kind of don't see themselves as part of Russia. Um, to be honest, Russians don't really care about what happens there either. I mean, you know, it's as if it's another country and there's this huge disconnect. Um, so there doesn't really exist this kind of civic Russian identity. Um, and the concept of Russia as a country is to a large extent held together by sheer repression and propaganda. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind yeah. of part. I kind of why I try to focus on like this is a part of the Russian state rather than like these areas are Russian because that's certainly not the way it feels on the ground or the people feel about themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can kind of see differences in the way police respond to these protests in, in Russian regions versus places like Dagestan. Um, in Russian regions, and by Russian region, I mean you know places where you know, Russian, ethnic Russians are a majority. Yeah. Um, you have people or you have police kind of arresting or detaining and arresting um, protesters. Whereas in Dagestan, um, you know, the, the, the tactics of de-arresting uh, people, you know, who are being kind of carted off is really significant because of the, the history of violence in, in the Republic. Um, so abductions, um, disappearances and murder is very common. Um, and this is something that I've heard Dagestani um, protest participants kind of express fear about. Like, you know, people know that that might happen. You might get identified um, among the protesters and you might not get detained and arrested like you would, you know, in Moscow, for example, but you might get, you know, identified and then kind of targeted later. Which is, yeah, I mean, obviously very frightening. Um, one of the things that I had read kind of about part, some of the, the, origins of the conflict in the region right now is that um, it had been common for some time because the the economy in, in Dagestan, Dagestan is in the Caucasus, which is a, a mountainous region in southern Russia, and it's where a great deal of the country's fuel comes from. Um, there are kind of folks who will say that the the government of the Federation has like avoided utilizing that infrastructure to the most that it can to avoid providing jobs, and it's made a lot of young men join the military to become contract soldiers. In the past, that was a good way to provide for if you had a large family. You do a military contract, you're not going to get sent outside of the region. It's pretty safe. But then, of course, Putin invades Ukraine, and suddenly a lot of these people who had been doing this, not because they wanted to support the Russian Federation, but because it was a job, are suddenly being sent to go fight and die in uh, outside of Kharkiv or wherever. Yeah. Um, the other thing is um, that's why there's so many security personnel kind of internally in the Republic as well. So the Republic experiences high unemployment, um, as you mentioned, poverty. Um, 
and it's almost by design, right? So many people are just relying on the state for jobs and security um, services is one of the main um, sources of employment. But that also kind of has that double effect of, um, you know, being used as a tool for repression. So anytime kind of dissent comes up, even, you know, when a large part of the grievances are about poverty and unemployment and just kind of having a future, you have um, a, a, a kind of excess of people who are ready to kind of suppress um, any expression of kind of dissent that might lead to problems later. And, and it seems like a great deal of dissent right now is coming from um, the Muslim pop, in particularly like the Muslim religious community within Dagestan. The The reason that you and I are talking right now is you, you shared and commented on a post um, where someone was sharing a a piece of protest art um, that was referencing a recent comment by the ch- deputy mufti uh, of Dagestan. Um, and it's a, a, a stylized drawing of several mountains on a green background that says the invader doesn't become a martyr. And if I'm interpreting that correctly, what what that's saying is it's it's a statement of protest from within the Islamic community of Dagestan saying, if you go to someone else's homeland to take part in an invasion, and you die, you're not being martyred. You're not dying in a way that is that is you know uh, uh, respected by Allah. Essentially, is that am I am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what it's saying. And I found that remarkable mm-hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. Um, the first is that um, descent in the region originally. So, you know, after the collapse of the Soviet Union and then the first Chechen war, there was dissent, but it was mostly limited to ethno nationalist movements who were very narrow in their messaging. So their grievances were, you know, just about their one ethnic group and, you know, whatever repression that they experienced. So um, they kind of missed out on broader support. And um, political Islam became a channel for um, kind of representing oppositional identity. Um, And because of um, that cutting across of ethnic lines through Salafism, which is um, kind of a stricter interpretation of Islam, which is prone to radicalization, um, that had much broader uh, support and and posed a significant threat to Moscow. And I wanna kind of make a parallel here because um, Mosques and religious communities across the world are actually really um, interesting spaces for social movement mobilization. Um, Some of the earliest works on social movement mobilization talked about um, black churches in the U.S. as being you know, key to the civil rights movement Absolutely. because you have these spaces yeah. that are kind of away from the state, away from surveillance. Although in, in Dagestan and lots of parts of Russian um, Muslim spaces are, are uh, totally infiltrated by the state or they're actually, you know, state muftis or the state's eyes and ears are kind of there. But still there's these spaces. And I think that's a, a big kind of um, significant key factor in how this movement has been able to mobilize. And I'm interested in because obviously Chechnya is another part of Russia that has a large Muslim population. There was a horrible war there not all that long ago that is really a prelude in a lot of ways to the kinds of violence and the kinds of repressive tactics that are being used right now by the Russian state. Um, what what sort of separates like why didn't Dagestan kind of go the same way as Chechnya? Like how I'm I'm kind of interested in in. And that because it seems as if the the muftis there are much more willing to kind of act in resistance to the state still. Is it just a factor of the violence that was unleashed on Chechnya earlier? Or is there more to it? 
Um, I think in large part it's, yeah, I mean, that's the legacy of violence and war um, in Chechnya, but I think it's partly because of how, of this kind of historical view of Chechnya as being, um, you know, a threat, a problem for yeah. the Russian empire and previously, and then Soviet Union, and then now, you know, independent Russia, independent, you know. <laughs> um, and it's really the rule of Ramzan Kadyrov, uh, which plays a really suppressing role in the Republic and his security services. Chechnya has experienced post-war, I would argue it's it's calmer in, in, a, in a strange way. I mean, I was um, when I was doing my field work in the North Caucasus, I visited Chechnya. I was in kabardino balkaria which is, you know, a couple republics over. Um, I didn't experience war, but I remember at the time there were counter-terrorist operations in kabardino balkaria where the security services would kind of lock down whole neighborhoods and kind of storm apartment buildings to go after someone who had been, you know, identified as a problem and just kind of, you know, neutralize that person. They were rarely detained. They were just kind of killed. No questions asked. Then going to Chechnya from that kind of context, it, it, that stuff doesn't happen just because the security apparatus is so strong and so intense that that kind of thing doesn't happen. At the same time, you feel that tension, that kind of fear. Um, so I think that's the main reason why um, you're, you're not seeing these sort of protests in, in Chechnya. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo! 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we talk about, like, what is it reasonable to hope for here? Uh, I wonder if you have any thoughts on that from Dagestan, like in, in terms of resistance to both this kind of general conscription order and resistance in general to the to the increasing imperial aims of the Russian state. Yeah, I think um, it's revealing those cracks that I mentioned in the beginning about identity and then kind of this this region not feeling like a part of Russia. Yeah. Um, and I think um, the other thing is that um, it it's unprecedented in many ways, just in terms of its messaging. And you know, protest movements in general are seen to kind of, when you participate in a movement, um, it's it's sort of transforming um, on an individual level. You feel like you're part of something. You see all these other people um, on the street who are, you know, agreeing with you in a context that's so authoritarian, where and you don't, you know, have that freedom to speak out. There's no free media um, in general. Um, it's 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 transformative, and I think that's probably for me, at least as a social movement scholar, the most interesting aspect. I mean, we can't predict, we don't know what's going to happen. There might be a you know, new wave of repression, um, but it's, it's revealing these cracks and um, kind of almost providing this proof of the, the lie of this you know, unified Russian state that, that is being kept together by repression and propaganda. Um, I think the messaging also reflects a change in identity and oppositional identity in the region. Um, previously, protests in the region were directed at the local leadership, so at the Republican level, right? So these are usually co-ethnics who are installed by Moscow, not so much to govern, but more to manage. Um, and Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov is, is an extreme case of this. And it was a practice common in Imperial Russia, right? You install your own guy, but he's local. So it sits better with the population. Right. Um, even if they're only there to carry out um, policies that are decided. And so, 
Um, so those protest movements were normally against the Republican um, authorities, um, their excesses, their corruption, um, you know, and, and again, the exception to that is Salafism, which was targeting both Moscow and the local leadership. But here, in this new wave of protest movement, the, the sentiment, the grievances are against Putin. Yeah. And that's totally new. And I, I, one of the things that is kind of remarkable is you've gotten in the wave of, and these are not just in Dagestan, but Dagestan had a lot of the protests against this general mobilization order. You actually have what what looks to me, and you're you're certainly no certainly no more than I do. So tell me if you think my analysis of this is is wrong. But looks to me like the regime blinking a little bit because, at in the wake of the protests, you had both Putin and a number of different local leaders come out and say we. Because one of the things that was happening as soon as the mobilization started is you saw a lot of these people, including like doctors, healthcare workers, other kinds of professionals and industries that are generally protected from this sort of thing, getting pulled in by state forces and effectively drafted on the spot along with protesters. And um, the in the wake of the outcry against that, Putin himself and a number of other local leaders have come out and been like, this was a mistake. We're releasing a number of these people, these these cer certain, you know, we're not supposed to be drafting people from these certain professions and whatnot. And to me, that looked like, well, maybe that's a little bit of a blink. Um, but I don't know if perhaps I'm being overly optimistic there. No, I, I agree. Um, and it speaks to the level of mobilization that kind of unprecedented um, um, levels of mobilization on the street. And also speaks to the fact that, you know, previously Moscow, I mean, they didn't care as much when the protests were directed at the local authorities. I mean, they did, but not like this. This is this is threatening. Um, and I was listening to an interview of a um, protest organizer from Dagestan. He's exiled, but he's kind of, you know, in touch with the people on the ground. And he, and he was talking about how he felt that the reason mobilization orders have been um, commissioned kind of to the, the Republican authorities, the regional authorities is on purpose so that grievances um, aren't directed towards Moscow because it's the regional authorities deciding on who's being mobilized. Um, and it's a kind of deflection of, of blame that he thought was um, by design. And the interviewer asked him a couple other questions. He was saying, oh, you know, we're hearing reports about the police being really brutal. Um, and again, he was like, no, not really. <laughs> that, or that's not the point. That's not the mm -hmm. question to be asking. It's actually deflecting because, again, the grievance is not to the local police. It's actually towards Moscow, who is, you know, the, the, the origin of this whole problem. And I think that's that's a threat. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have any kind of advice for people if they're looking as kind of things continue to develop in Dagestan as there are more protests, which I'm sure there will be? Are there actually like organizations over there that can be supported by people, um, including you mentioned independent media there? Um, I'm just wondering if you have any kind of particular advice for folks who might either want to learn more about the region and what's going on um, or who might want to try and help the people who are protesting right now. Um. Unfortunately, there's um, not much for outsiders to do. A lot of the news, yeah. and I think again, I was kind of expecting kind of that was the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's kind of a denied context. So, uh, where I get the news is a couple Telegram channels that are only in, in Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably doesn't help 
your audience if they don't speak Russian. No, um, I, there's a couple Twitter accounts that I would recommend people follow. You know, um, there's um, I don't know if I can mention that or. Yeah, please. No, absolutely. Let me quickly find the guy. Personally, uh, when it comes to like where I'm able to get English language news about the region, Medusa is generally kind of like one of the places where I've gotten some. Medusa is a Russian news site that's or news organization that's banned in Russia. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, a Medusa journalist just got arrested in Dagestan by the state security services. Um, but it, you can go to Medusa.io and that's one place where I've come across news that's English language. Um, it's not the most detailed coverage, but it's kind of hard to find that in English about stuff going on in Dagestan. It is, it is hard to find. And I would echo that, um, sentiment of, you know, Medusa being a good source for that. Um, there's a researcher on, on Twitter named Harold Chambers. Uh, his handle is Chambers Harold eight, the number eight, and he is an analyst and he is posting kind of more detailed, you know, in the weeds up to, you know, up to date, day-to-day developments from from the region um and is there anything like as as we i'm kind of closing out here um that you wanted to particularly get into about what's happening over there about kind of um the development of 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 social movements in dagestan right now that you you find particularly fascinating that you'd like to kind of talk about to the audience yeah i think um the context of the Russian war on terrorism in the North Caucasus plays a huge role here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned, you know, the counter-terrorist operations that, that um, Russia used to use in the region as a repression tool. Um, so they didn't have to be Salafists or kind of, you know, seen as you know, extremists to, to be targeted and stuff like that. Like secular Dagestanis and Chechens were absolutely targeted in, in that kind of, in those um in, in those um, in that context of, of counterterrorism, and it's really the fact that your know, Dagestanis are really tired of of the repression. People leave the republic and move abroad um, because they've been labeled a terrorist and they don't want to die. Um, and when their families send them money um, to support them abroad, they get um, labeled as terrorists because they're helping you know support a terrorist. Oh, so God. it's it's why it's also why the movement is leaderless. Um, because there's really no intelligentsia or leaders left in the Republic um, anymore. Anyone who had any kind of critical standpoint um, has either been killed or exiled. So we have to see the mobilization in Dagestan as kind of, you know, with that backdrop. Uh, people are tired of the repression. Um, and, and yeah, the, the protests are spontaneous. And uh, the fact that it's horizontal is also unprecedented. And it obviously means that it's much harder to repress um, the movement and suppress it because there's no, you know, individuals to kind of target. That's interesting because that's obviously a, a global trend that we've seen in in protest movements, not just against the Russian state, but around the world. Governments have gotten much better at not- finding leaders in protest movements, compromising them, going after them, targeting them, arresting them. Um, it's it, and I think this has been a part of why all over the world you've seen so many more horizontal movements leading street protests against different kinds of repression because it's really the only thing that can't be compromised easily by the security forces. Yeah, especially in an authoritarian context. Yeah. Well, um, Karina, is there anything else you wanted to say before we we close out? No, no, that's it. All right. Well, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about your plugs here because you have a podcast that you're about to be starting. Yeah, I'm starting a podcast. It is called Obscuristan uh, Podcast, where we'll talk about the bizarre 
and fucked up uh, nature yeah. of, of the region of Eurasia. Um, but also more importantly, how it got that way. Um, yeah. So that's I, what we're doing. I can think of few more topics, more important topics for people, particularly people just where I live to understand. So many people have been affected in, in you know, we're, we're looking at the, the energy crisis hitting the UK and, and to a slightly lesser extent continental Europe right now. We're looking at rising food prices in the United States, all of it tied to this conflict which people wouldn't have been surprised by if they'd been paying attention to Eurasian history and politics a little bit more. Um, so I, I, I think that's a, a commendable effort and I'm excited to start listening. Um, thank you so much. Can, oh, yes. Can I mention one last thing? Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting in Armenia and speaking to you from Armenia. So mm -hmm. um, I would just encourage um, your listeners to um, find out about what's happening. We were recently um, attacked by Azerbaijan yep. and um, we have some 41 square kilometers that are currently occupied by Azerbaijani soldiers. So I would encourage people to learn about the conflict and kind of pay attention to what's happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we continue to be big advocates for folks paying attention to that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I, you know, I I had this brief period of like optimism when the White House started making statements and Pelosi visited that like, and, and we'll see. Maybe I know there's like there's a, a vote coming up right now in Congress to stop selling weapons to the Azeris, which would be at least a start. Um, but I mean, you know, it the what's I think is necessary is for Armenia to have access to the kind of weapons that um have been so successful at stopping foreign aggression and other countries, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Well, all right. Karina, thank you so much for your time. That's going to be our show for the day. Have a good one, everybody. Keep paying attention to stuff. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.